Okay, welcome to Showdown. I'm Mark Kaysen, and this is the 23rd of February. That's Friday, and we've had a week. We've been busy. We've had a couple of uh, firestorms, and here we are uh, with uh, an hour to go, and the uh, the day is is not really over yet because... There are a lot of things happening, as you can see, this is showdown, but it's also some things happening underneath it. And yes, there are a lot of things happening uh, in Washington, D.C., and, and, and with my favorite cartoon ca- character, that's uh, uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, and he's, he's hard at work uh, trying to keep, number one, himself out of jail, and number two, uh, trying to find a way to pay $550 million, which I, I, I truly have to laugh because I've always said the man is broke. Now, I didn't just say this a week ago or a month ago. I mean, I've been saying this for years. I've said this on every show I've ever been on. The man is broke. And he is broke. Now, I understand he's got a couple of dollars in his pocket. He's got a way of finding money that he can put in his pocket. But as far as, does he have any money? No, he doesn't. Does he have any real net worth? No, not really. We don't know what he owes on anything. All we know is that here's a guy who has been grifting everybody who he has ever dealt with for well over 40 years years. Now, it is true he has managed to escape the justice system. And Al Capone was the same way. Al Capone kept murdering people. And every time he murdered somebody, he went to court and he escaped. So he escaped the justice system over and over again. And then one day they got him. Now, they got him on tax evasion, but it really didn't matter. I mean, he went to jail, finally. And that's what will happen to Donald Trump. Now, there is one other possibility that I've always always suggested, and that is that before this insane uh, operation has been completed, uh, all the way from his early grifting days through that crazy television show, which I never watched I, I I'm proud to say uh, and then through this uh, insane presidency and and everything that he's done even since then this man is coming down to one final decision uh, and I think it may be to climb to the top of of Trump Tower and uh, and jump off head first. And, and if you remember the movie with James Cagney, which was White Heat, uh, he did almost the same thing. Climbed up on top of the oil wells and everything was burning and he was yelling, Mom, I'm on top of the world. Well, that's about what I have always been expecting from Donald Trump. Now, let's talk about what's happening in reality today. Well, he has filed motion on top of motion with his best buddy, 
Aileen Cannon. That's the one judge in the United States who has done everything possible to push the scales in his direction. The one. Not everybody else, they've caved in. You know, they haven't listened to any of this stuff. They've, they've gotten these idiotic requests. See you later. Thrown it out. But one is sitting out there, and that's Aileen Cannon. However, she's got a problem. You know, all of these attempts to escape justice, they always have a problem in the American judicial system. I mean, it's true. We never thought that we would have a president that we had to protect ourselves from. And that's the whole point here, is, is that we are, 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 in fact, trying to protect ourselves from a, a lunatic, from somebody who is mentally ill, according to his niece, Mary Trump, who is a psychologist. And, and we're trying to protect ourselves uh, because uh, this man has run rampant. But the fact is, he keeps filing motions, motions on top of motions, because he knows that if he can file one more motion, two, three, four, five, it takes time to sort these things out. And he is crossing his fingers. I don't want to say praying because I, I doubt that Donald Trump has any knowledge of what even prayer is. Not that I have any problem with, with that. I mean, whether he does or he doesn't, I, I really don't care. But but I'm just saying, if, if, if he says he's praying, he's not. If he says he's not, he is, because the man does nothing but lie. So, okay, here's the deal. He's got these, these motions in front of the court, and they're actually laughable. First, he's trying to claim again, which he's already claimed in the district court the, the D.C. District Court, federal court, he's claimed that he has absolute immunity from any kind of prosecution because he the pre- was the president of the United States. You can't touch him. Well, we know that that's not true. And how do we know? Because the words of the Constitution say that a president is actually subject to prosecution, for example, if you're impeached and if you survive the impeachment or if you're impeached and convicted, either way, you will be prosecuted. It's that simple. You knew that, didn't you, Walter Hood? I sure did. Yeah, because, I mean, I know that you're teaching uh, uh, our students at um, uh, Cardinal Ritter. You're teaching them, actually, the Constitution. They have had to take a Constitution test. That's correct. Yeah. So, so when we say that the Constitution directly says that if you've been impeached, convicted or not, once you are finished with that, then you can be prosecuted in the courts for whatever you've been impeached for, well, it's in there. Right? That's right. Yeah. So 
all of these people who are arguing, all of these people who are making claims, all of these people who are crying every day that Donald Trump is being mistreated. You can't do this to him. Well, actually, if they read the Constitution, they would know what's really going on. That's why it's important to pay attention to history class. That, I was going to say that. There you go. You got two Cardinal Ritter history teachers here. That's half of the history department. And and the bottom line is we're saying uh, if you didn't listen when you were in school, well, maybe you can get an adult education class. <laughs> Something, right? Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, let, let's square this away too. Um, you are Walter Hood, and you are uh, uh, an American history teacher at the moment at uh, Cardinal Ritter. I say at the moment because you could teach at other classes, but that's the one you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got juniors. Yes. And you're joining me on the show, and you've actually been on uh, uh, Cancel This Show before. The, the morning show here, right? I'd, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun on that one. Uh, we were talking about East St. Louis, and uh, lo and behold, here you were, a, a, a teacher who happens to come from East St. Louis. Yeah, born and raised. Yeah. And, raised. <laughs> and, and, and we've got another East St. Louis uh, resident joining us here in a moment, uh, and that is James Ingram who um, is quite famous, more famous than, than either you or I, um, <laughs> because uh, he, he's got his picture on that newspaper uh, week in and week out at the St. Louis American. And, and James has been a, a great friend for a long time. And, and so he's going to be here with us in a moment. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was hoping to introduce you to Stephanie Harmon, but, but Stephanie uh, got caught on assignment you know what that means? That means he's out some she she's out somewhere where nobody knows, and and so we just say it's an assignment. But at any rate, so we'll just say she's on assignment, uh, but she may be back uh, later today or at the worst on Monday. Uh, so anyway, um, how has your week been teaching, Walter? Well, my week of teaching this week was you know. Up and down for sure, um, especially you know what our schedule. But able to get some effective uh, lessons in for the the week out. Yeah, because today we had what what they call at Cardinal Ritter Career Day. Yes. And uh, did you get to sit in on any of those sessions? I did. I sat in on a couple of sessions and just being able to listen to the presenters, especially and those I listened to, they were all Ritter alum and just really hearing their perspective like of their time in Cardinal Ritter and then talking about what they do now, even inspiring our, our students to get to the next level after high school. And that was really cool. To yeah. Hear. And, and, and that is the amazing thing about the school that we're in, because aside from many of the good things that go on there, it, it's got this incredible history in the St. Louis black community that goes back 45 years and, and it, it's such an institution, a true, you know, anchor institution in the St. Louis black community. And 
just families everywhere. Any anybody of any importance in the St. Louis black community has probably had some relative, some member of the family that's gone to Cardinal Ritter. That's correct. Yeah. So it's 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 quite an amazing thing. And 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 really an honor, in my opinion, to teach at this school because of how significant it is in 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 the community overall and and in the black community as well. But I mean, it's important for white people as well because so many of the the key people in St. Louis, many who are black, but the point is they have come from Cardinal Ritter. Yeah, even in my two years at Ritter, just having a, a great sense of, of pride of being and being a teacher of this prestigious school, because I, I have a lot of friends from high school and even college that graduated from Ritter and, and they'd speak highly of the school. Yeah, and it's, it's really an honor and a privilege to be a part of this great tradition. No, I think that's an important thing to say. I don't think it's overstating anything at all. And I talk a lot of, a lot about it because I think it's quite important. Uh, you know, we've got this this problem in the country. One of our biggest problems of all is education. It's just it's out there everywhere. And, and I, I, you know, I, I talk about the black community all the time. That's where we teach. But I have to say that that it's it's a problem for white people as well. Their kids aren't getting properly educated in a lot of respects also. And that's not good for the country. And it's essential that, that it get fixed. So I think talking about it and putting, you know, a spotlight on it all the time is is worthy of the, the, the effort that we put in here. Absolutely. It's, it's really important to ensure that, you know, children of all races, religions, backgrounds, everything, it's important that they have knowledge and tolerance of one another. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I talk about all the time, and believe me, um, as you well know, uh, Cardinal Ritter uh, is, is really no different than the other schools on the, in this respect, and that is, kids are not allowed to eat in the classroom, right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and you know, I think we we understand why. Uh, you want to comment on what what the obvious reason might be? Uh, to ensure that you know students don't you know leave a mess. Sure, obvious. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and and you know. The reason I bring it up is because everybody that, that listens to this show or any show is going to spend some time going to some kind of a meeting anywhere, somewhere. And every time that you go to a meeting as an adult, what do they give you? Say it again. What, what do they give you when you go to an, a, a meeting as an adult? All the time, whatever meeting you go to, you sit down. They're always going to have what? At, at any, it doesn't matter what meeting it is. It's always going to be there. I know for one, an agenda. Yeah. How about food? And <laughs> that too. Yeah, of course. They always have food. They have food. They have drink. Why? 
uh, to make, well, for one, to make you feel more, you know, comfortable being at the meeting. Right. And just to ensure that, you know, everyone's needs are provided for as the meeting is going on. It's a lot of times it can be a long meeting, it can be a short meeting. It just really depends on the topic at hand. Yeah. And I understand that every school is concerned because kids are not adults and and kids are, are, are going to drop their food somewhere. Some wrapper is going to end up on the floor somewhere. You know, something's going to not be good. And no. so I understand it. But I will say that if kids had food in any classroom, and I'm not just talking about Cardinal Ritter, because Cardinal Ritter is in pretty good shape when it comes to our classrooms, as far as people working together and behaving properly. But, but, but I don't care where you go. If you put food in a classroom, do you think it would have a, a positive effect on the way kids responded? I think mm, it could be a pro and a con. I mean, the positive, of course, is, you know, kids will have the, have the permission to eat food. Sure. Right? Sure. They'll, they'll, they'll love that part. Yeah, they really would. Yeah. They would. But the negative aspect of it is, you know, will the students monitor themselves to ensure that their wrappers and trash is picked up before they leave? Right. And and when I talk to the kids about this, now I understand the kids are going to say anything, but they say, oh, we would never make a mess. Well, we know they would. <laughs> and, and, and the second thing is, is they say that, that they would clean it up or that they would be willing to work together to get people to clean it up if it were necessary because they, they would love to have the food. And, and, and I'll say this as an example to you. Uh, when I taught at, at Beaumont, which I talk, taught at Beaumont from 2000 to 2007. And my principal was Travis Brown, very well-known guy here in St. Louis, uh, big guy in, in sports, uh, and, and, and he was the principal of Beaumont for seven, well, more than seven years, but seven years that I was there. And I talked to him about this, and, and he didn't even bat an eye he said, Kason, give them food. He said, if you, you think that's going to help, let's do it. And, and here's what I did. I bought every day before I came to school a couple of big bags of bagels. And the reason I bought bagels was because there are no wrappers. Nothing, it's, it's not going to make as much a mess as anything else would. You know, like donuts, you know, it's not going to be a, a mess all over the place. They're not sticky. And I had bagels in my classrooms. And listen, I'm telling you, Walter, the kids from all over the school would come to my class, kids I didn't even know, and they'd say, Kason, can I have a bagel? <laughs> and I'd give it to them. And, and honestly... It had such a great effect on those kids calming things down because, first of all, the kids weren't fighting with each other over the food. And secondly, the bagels didn't make 
really any mess at all, to tell you the truth. Right. And it, it, it wasn't a big discussion. It, Travis just did it, and it worked. Now, <laughs> every school does what we're doing. Every school tries to control it. But I, I'm just saying, uh, you know, there's another way to, to, to approach this if anybody wanted to give it a try. And, and what I've said to the kids, and especially since you and I, Walter, are basically teaching civics right. to our kids, I've said, look, organize half the school. You get 200 kids, organize them, have a meeting, draw up a serious proposal, take it to the administrators, and let's see what they say. Well, first of all, I've said this for five years, and nobody has even come close to trying to organize some kids. Right. You know, that, and every time they say they want to eat, I say, look. You haven't even tried. You've done nothing. <laughs> you know, all you want to do is say you want to eat. Well, it's not that simple. You have to do something. And they don't. So, and, and I'll tell you this, they're not going to. They're never going to. So that's the end of the story. But I will say that there's maybe a little bit of a moral to this story that goes beyond the school. And to me... It's people who live out here in the world who spend all day long complaining about everything. They don't like what the city government's doing. They don't like what the county government's doing. They don't like what the state is doing. They're, they're upset with Joe Biden because he's too old. And by the way, what do you think about how Joe Biden looks? <laughs> well... You know, from seeing him on the news, I mean, he's 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 strong-willed. So Biden's going to carry this presidency for as long as he can. Well, he is, but he does look old. I mean, don't yeah. you think he looks old? I mean, Father Time is not on none of our side. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've been out here doing what we're doing tonight for 35 years. I mean, that's, just, you know, you don't look the same today as you looked 35 years ago if you're me. You just don't. So, I mean, you know, you know Joe Biden, you can't expect him to look great. I mean, I'm 72. Joe Biden is 81. He's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I remember as a as a high school student when Obama was first elected, he was the vice president. And that's a big difference from 08 to 2024. There's a big difference. Oh, no kidding. And we all know that everybody that goes through the presidency gets ripped up really bad. They sure do. It is a tough, tough job. Now, on the other hand, Joe Biden is doing a great job, I think. Now, I understand there's some people who, you know, they'll say, well, they don't like this or they don't like that. That's one thing. To mm -hmm. say that he's somehow, you know, a, uh, 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 that he's treasonous or that he's, 
trying to sell the country out or you know, some craziness like that, which people say. Or even, here's one for you, one of my favorites. He's a pedophile. I mean, I mean, what's the chance that Joe Biden is a pedophile? I mean, there's no chance. I mean, it's yeah. stupid. That's the beauty of the media. They will take one thing. They will try to run with it. Yeah. But it's amazing because the country is is dealing with this. And, and you know, today and the last couple of days, uh, this Alexander Smirnoff business has, has uh, surfaced. And, and, and there are actually several like him uh, who have testified that Joe Biden was involved in bribery schemes and he was collecting money from the Chinese and from the Russians and from everybody else in the world. And, and it's coming out now day after day that each of these people is either on the run. One of the guys is on the run because the, the, gov- the government is trying to catch him to put him in jail. So that's one of their their prize witnesses. And then there's the Smirnoff guy who's already been indicted uh, for lying to the FBI. And and they've been fighting over whether they can uh, continue to hold him. And as of today, they they actually have put him in jail. They're holding him and and they're trying to decide what else they, they might or might not do with him because he is a flight risk. He's tied to the Russians and, you know, if he's tied to the Russians, he he might have a way of escaping. <sighs> you know, so let me ask you this. Do you ever listen to Fox News? Not not recently. I haven't. No, I've never. I've never listened. I don't know what they say at all. But I know that the people who hear what they're saying and who repeat that nonsense, they're just in another universe. I mean, they believe things that we all know are not true. They're not even close. And that's funny, even with CNN, you know, some may argue that CNN is giving out false information. You know, every... Every major news outlet, whether it be CNN, MSNBC, Fox, you know, those news, those news networks piece to someone's interest. So if it piques their interest, they're going to take the information, then they're going to run with it, regardless if it's not all the facts or maybe it's half or even none at all. If it sounds good, you're going to go with it. (laughs) And that's true. And people are doing that. And, and, and of course, the country is suffering from it right now because there's such a lack of knowledge that it's beyond belief. It's very difficult. And, and what I do, as you well know, uh, I have the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times every day, the Post-Dispatch, but that doesn't really count. That, that's for sports. You know, I buy buy that to see if there's a baseball story coming. And by the way, there is one, but we could talk about that in a minute. But Mm -hmm. but, you know, um, the the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal are are credible news sources. One is more liberal. One is more conservative. If the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal say the same thing and then I hear it on MSNBC. 
I pretty much assume that that's reliable information. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's a liberal source and a conservative source and then the TV people who are entertainers to be sure, but but nevertheless, news people also, but but certainly the 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 New York Times and the Wall Street Journal are high level news people. They, you know, unlike this nonsense that, you know, started with with Donald Trump saying that they're the enemy of the people, which is so sad. So sad. I mean, we forget all of this because it, it was it's all so crazy that that we forget that that he started off by saying that the newspapers that have kept this country informed for 175 years because the Wall Street Journal was, or the New York Times was 1851. I'm not sure of the date on the Wall Street Journal. I think it might have been a, a little after that. But in any event, um, about 175 years, I mean, to, to ignore them, suddenly to say that they are the enemy of the people, and let's throw in the Washington Post, which is also highly credible. I also get, in addition to that, I get the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, but some of that's online, so I, I don't have the papers in the classroom. But I mean, I read all of this, and the end result is that if all the news sources, all the credible news sources in the United States are saying it, it's it's probably true. I think it's just personally, it's just important to be informed of what's going on in the world. Especially here in the United States, the United States, especially now when it's getting to election season, and how this is going to affect everyone—not just a select group of people—it's good to know all the, at least most of the facts that that's being put out there. Yeah, and I think it's very easy to get the facts, and and by the way, not all that time-consuming either. No. No, it's a, you have to read every word in every article. I mean, first of all, anybody that doesn't know anything about journalism ought to know that, that, that the news sources intentionally have this, this pyramid format where everything is poured into the beginning of the article, and the further you get into the article, the less, you know, really meaty the information is, you, you know, if you read the beginning of, of most of the articles, you've got what you need. Right. I mean, that's, you know, and, and in fact, you know, James Ingram is going to be here, I, I hope, very shortly. And and, you know, as a as a very fine journalist, uh, I, I, I really think, you know, he's somebody that, that can comment on this in terms of, you know, working in a newsroom and with mm-hmm. other reporters in order to to really sort of drill down a little bit and see you know what what do they do what how do they go about trying to make sure that their information is correct because you know what our newspapers in this country try to tell the the truth they try to tell a real story absolutely yeah uh you know i have you? Let me ask you this one: Have the kids ever said anything to you about the Illuminati? 
Oh, all the time. <laughs> they ask, does the, does the Illuminati exist? Yeah. And wh- what do you tell them? You know, I just say, you know, you can't believe everything you hear <laughs> right. on TV or on social media. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little less uh, cautious than you are on certain things. Mm-hmm. So if they say to me, and they do, uh, you know, something about the Illuminati. I mean, I say, guys, do you understand this? There is no Illuminati. It doesn't exist. Now, mm-hmm. it's one thing to have some teenagers that will talk to us about the Illuminati. I mean, right. first, and, and by the way, <laughs> and I point this out to the kids too, let's not forget that this Illuminati conspiracy nonsense, it's, it's not just a group of people that are doing something that, that might be nefarious. It's, it's one step more than that. Mm-hmm. It always includes some Jews. So they got that anti-Semitic stuff going on in the Illuminati thing. Now, our kids don't know about that. No. You know, they, they, have not, they don't know a thing about it. But, you know, Rothschild and, and, and then they end up uh, talking about George Soros or, you know, something like that. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they think these people are coming to get them. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do. And, and see, and that's the worst part of it. Because it's not just our teenage kids. Mm-hmm. It's grown adults. It sure is. Especially with conspiracy theories. Because even think about it in uh, U.S. history. There are many conspiracy theories in U.S. history. Now, as I always tell students, you know, <clears throat> you do not believe every conspiracy theory that you hear, right? But there's always some very small amount of truth in a conspiracy theory. That's right. That's, can, that's how they get credibility. Right. Cause you may not know what the truth may be, but there, there has to be some ounce of white thing. Conspiracy theories are still going on, especially, you know, we talk about, you know, JFK and the magic bullet theory. Right. And, and how <clears throat> all these years later, people are still debating on that. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. So tell me, and again, you're a, what are you, 33? 31. 31. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to push it too fast. Okay. So, so you're 31 years old. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've said, I'm 72. Now, I, I was there when Kennedy was shot. Right. I mean, I, I was in a, a geometry class looking at that clock at 1 o'clock. When, when the news came over the, the PA system and said John Kennedy had been shot. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was there. And so eighth grade geometry, I was uh, probably 13, 14. Well, I don't have to say that. I, I know how old I was. Uh, fine, I was 12. Okay, I was 12. And... I, and it was, and I know for a fact, it was my eighth grade geometry class. Uh, that I remember very clearly. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, that was 63. And by 1964, after they had come up with the, the Warren report, 
And 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 you know the simple conclusion that it was all Lee Harvey Oswald. No one else did anything. We all thought this is nonsense. And there was a guy at the time whose name was Mort Saul. You ever hear of him? I've not heard of him. Yeah, great comedian, and eventually he became a talk show host. Mm-hmm. And his big push was to reopen the Kennedy investigation to mm-hmm. find out what's really going on here because they're making this stuff up. And he got our attention. I'm talking about the kids. And so, you know, the first thing I ever got involved in a, in a demonstration was, you know, Mort Saul, who was nothing but a talk show guy. And he had, you know, encouraged us Go to your school and demonstrate to reopen the investigation, which we did, and and even called him on the air, and he encouraged us to to call the newspapers when we did this so that they would come out and cover the event, which, of course, the schools went bonkers that all these newspapers showed up in the middle of these demonstrations. And, of course, we looked around and said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We just had a demonstration. You know, okay. Anyway, here's the thing. We all felt that there was something going on, and all of this was a lead-up to ask you, as a 31-year-old person grown up in America today, Mm-hmm. What what do you think about the Kennedy thing? You know, so growing up, history was always my favorite subject. So when I would hear about President Kennedy and everything that, you know, all that, uh, the events that led up to his, you know, assassination, even going as far as, as watching footage of his assass- assassination and just seeing, you know, his wife picking up brain his brain fra- fragments off the back of the car. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really sad because I mean, JFK he you know he was not perfect by any means, but he made history nonetheless. And his goal was to, you know, push America to to change, especially with all the with racial discrimination in the time period, especially during the civil rights movement. All he wanted to do was make a change, make a difference, and. Unfortunately, I mean, he he made an impact, but unfortunately, he could not carry out everything that he wanted to do. Yeah. And the irony is, is that Lyndon Johnson, who was a racist from Texas. Right. Turned around and did the things that Kennedy wanted to do and 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 etched himself into history as this great person for black people. But he no. never he never was, but he, he became one. Uh, at least with, with Lyndon Johnson, at least he was honest. <laughs> well, he was. I mean, until the war. Right. And then he lied about everything. Exactly. Yeah. He, he was he was fine up to a certain point, but at least he was honest and consistent with who he was. Yeah, well, and that's right. That's right. And and and, and no one was under any illusions about his his participation with the South against all of the civil rights actions, except after Kennedy died, 
This guy was smart enough to see the politics. And he, he decided, okay, if this is what it's going to take to make me somebody, and he already was. I mean, he, he had great power as a senator. He, he was a leader that, in the Senate who got things done. Right. And, and so then, you know, he got into the presidency and, and he switched. He, he used what was smart on his part, which was Kennedy's legacy, to, to, to really turn around race relations in this country. And, you know, as, as kids, we hated him. We just despised him. We really did because of the war. Really, because of the war. Because we, he, he had promised that we were not going to fight a war in Southeast Asia. And all the kids, and, and I mean really, the kids, we went out and went door to door and, and tried to get people to vote for Lyndon Johnson. And, and then he won. And all of a sudden, this war is going crazy because he lied about the Tonkin Gulf resolution. Well, hey, I mean, that's just history now. But, but that's another thing. Can you imagine kids today going out and, and seriously knocking on doors and arguing about the political issues and going to universities to participate in discussions about issues. I mean, it's certainly not where we are, is it? You know, in the modern day, there are potentially students out there that would do it, that would fight for the cause. Yeah. Especially if it piques their interest. Yeah, there's some. There's some, yeah. So I think they would. some would do it. It won't be the majority, but it would definitely be that handful that would, would try. Yeah, they're not doing it now is all I'm saying, right? No, not as yeah. much. But I think the biggest difference now is, or the biggest advantage is social media. You know, students can use social media as a way to push a specific agenda. But that's only if they decide to do it. I mean, you can have students that can go live like we are right now on their social media accounts, you know, talking about, you know, different, you know, political issues or things that are going on. It's so many ways in the modern day they can do it. It's just, if they're, are they motivated enough to do it? Yeah. You know, there's always been an aspect throughout history of adults pointing to the kids and saying, Boy, they sure don't do anything any good. They they used to be good, but they, you know, which is not true. I mean, you know, they 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 may not do what we did, but they do other things. And so, you know, just because they're different doesn't mean they're not valued. Right. Yeah. So that's for sure. Uh, but it's a little difficult to get them to go out and knock on a door. Um you know, they're not there. They're not on that. Um, it would be good to see it. I, I would love to see it. Our school, as you know, has a, uh, a, a program called The Movement, Not a Moment. Right. A- aimed at, at, at ending gun violence. But, but really, a lot of the kids have, have thought about, you know, what other kinds of things they could address. 
And I've asked them many times, in what way do you feel like you're being part of the movement? I mean, they can't express it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, sometimes. It's yeah. just how how they voice it isn't always the best. Yeah. Is it? Because for a lot of teenagers, they, they speak from emotion, more so a logic. So once they're able to speak with emotion and logic, then it comes it comes out more clear and concise. Yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I love the fact that we do this because I also think and I think it's to your point when they're teenagers in high school. There, there, there's a lot of emotionalism, and we know that, that their brains are different than when they've grown up a little bit more. They just, they, they mature. And, you know, just being exposed to some of these words, even if they don't completely embrace it all, but maybe in a year or two they will. So I, I, I think there's a tremendous value to doing it for sure. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I talk to them about it uh, because, you know, I ask them, you know, what do you think you're doing today to affect some of the things that you believe in? And, and as much as I might say that the kids aren't doing as much as I would love to see them do, I can mm. swear that our country, our adults, are absolutely not doing it. I mean, we got a lot of people in this country who are, I don't know, watching TV or whatever they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. Are they watching their phones? That's possible. Yeah. Especially with these high-tech phones now. You never know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I am absolutely addicted to my phones. I am. No question about it but not to the to the junk you know I'm, i i don't watch the junk i don't get involved in 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 some of that nonsense that we know is nonsense and you know one of the things and you know we've sort of touched on it a little earlier but mm -hmm. you know the the russian conspiracies you know back going back to say the Mueller report Mm -hmm. which people don't even think about anymore. I mean, those conspiracy theories, I mean, there was actually real evidence to back up those things. And here we are in 2024, and you've got suddenly a guy named Alexander Smirnov. I mean, that's pretty funny in itself, you know. So, okay, right. th this guy is absolutely tied to Russian intelligence. I mean, we know he is. And the thing about it is that the information that he has brought into the Congress that they're using to impeach Joe Biden. I mean, is there anything sillier than that? Uh, I can think of a few, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Probably really... What would anybody even think about impeaching Joe Biden for? They say there's, there was bribery 
and that they collected millions, according to Alexander Smirnoff, who has now been proven to have lied to the FBI and he's in jail. Right. And again, it goes back to my point earlier when I mentioned about how there, there are those who did not pay attention to history class. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. you, you can't just impeach a president without some type of evidence. Well, you can, right. but you don't want to. You, true. Yeah. But it, yeah. But they're they're doing it. I mean, I don't, I don't think the country's even taking this seriously. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find something that's newsworthy to get the people's attention, to get people talking about something. Yeah. Well, let me talk about something because we're uh, we're moving along here, and I was uh, hoping that uh, uh, James might show up earlier, but but he did not yet, and he may not because uh, he has meetings around that office of his. But mm-hmm. uh, let me talk to you about a couple of our advertisers, and then we'll finish this thing up. First of all, um, how do I dress every day at school? You always wear a suit, shirt, tie, and a pair of chucks. Yep, that's true. The chucks, that's true. The chucks do not come from the St. Louis Suit Company, but everything else does. The St. Louis Suit Company is in Clayton. They're on the corner of Forsyth and Central. Okay. And I, I'll tell you, I've just, I've just been a suit and tie person at work for as long as I can remember. I mean, I right. just always have. And I came here to St. Louis and, and, and hooked up with these people at the St. Louis suit company. And I mean, for decades now, uh, they've literally been dressing me and, Ooh. and, and the ties amazingly enough, I know nobody buys any ties the way we used to. I do, right. but other people don't. But, um, the, the ties are $5 for a silk tie. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you remember, Donald Trump was selling ties, and that, that went out of business, of course, like everything else he does that fails. Uh, but $5 for, for beautiful ties, that works. So that's the St. Louis Suit Company. They're the corner of Forsyth and Central. They're in Clayton, and their, their clothing is phenomenal. And if you're going to a wedding... That's the place to get everybody at the wedding dressed. St. Louis Suit Company. Now, you're over on the east side, so I don't think you've ever made it to a restaurant called Wenties. I have not. Yeah. But let me say, Wenties is your kind of place for sure, Walter. I know it is because I know that, that you know, you like great food. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know you do. And, and, you know, both of us, you know, try to keep our weight down. Uh, but, but, you know, when you get that great food, you, you'll eat it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Wenty's is great. And, and they are in Chesterfield Valley at 18,000 uh, uh, Chesterfield Airport Road. And they have got fabulous food, baby back ribs, uh, uh, great onion rings. You, do you love onion rings? I do. I love them. I really do. I haven't eaten them in a long time, but I love them. I yeah. like to look at them because I know how good they are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's Wendy's in 
Chesterfield Valley. Now, uh, finally, let me talk about Jules on Hampton. Now, you're not married yet, right? I am not married. Yeah, because you're gonna you got some rings coming, pal. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. One day. So, one day. One day. So you want to keep an eye on on forty five oh six Hampton, which is Jules on Hampton, and and the the guy who owns it is a guy named Al, and I guarantee you there the day will come where you'll meet Al. It may not be because of the jewels, but it, definitely you'll meet Al, and and he uh, is a a great jeweler, and he he does everything. They they create their own pieces over there. Uh, they buy and sell jewelry. It, it's just a great location over on Hampton, forty five oh six Hampton, and that is Jewels on Hampton. So you know, just like everybody, you got to make some money, right? All the time. Yeah. So we 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 have our our great sponsors and more coming, and. Uh, and 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 we really appreciate the the three initial people who have stepped up uh, to support what we're doing here. Yeah, so that's that, that's a good thing. Hey, so let me ask you this: Are are you tuned into this primary this weekend? I'm definitely going to check it out. Okay, see what, what's going to happen? <laughs> okay, so you know, I have to admit, I figure that that Trump is going to win big in South Carolina. I, I think he will. Yeah. I mean, only because everybody is saying that he will, but I don't know if you've been watching what uh, Nikki Haley has been saying for the last maybe a week now. And almost by the day she is ratcheting up the, the criticism of Trump in a way that, that almost sounds like it's coming from the Democratic Party side. I mean, she is actually quoting fact. I mean, that's a shocking thing to do if you're a Republican in America today. Yeah. Because they make up all this junk. Absolutely. Did you ever see uh, Back to the Future? One of my favorite movies. Yeah. So you know that that the number two version Mm-hmm. Of of that series, it w- was where where Biff, you know, ends up with the hotel. Yeah, yeah, Biff Hotel and all that. Biff uh-huh. Tower, Biff Tower, which at the time, which is pretty funny actually when you think about it. I've always said, I mean, in 1987, for Steven Spielberg to create a movie that envisioned this crazed Biff who is actually Donald Trump. I mean, how did he know? I mean, it was really brilliant of him. You know, Biff Tower and everything. It was it was Trump. I mean, it was always intended. But, I mean, I don't think he believed that Trump was necessarily going to be president. But, but Biff Tower was Trump. And then, of course, they had that alternate reality mm-hmm. because of the time travel. And that's what we've got. And I I just wonder, like in the movie, you know, what's it going to take to get out of that thing? 
you know, the one of the funniest things as you're mentioning is that, you know, for some somehow history ends up repeating itself. You know, it doesn't change just the players. Yep. Well, I just think it's amazing. So 1987 is 37 years. 37 years ago, this movie producer, great movie producer, of course, just, you know, managed to envision a, 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 a reality in which we have now found ourselves. I mean, I know you recall when they were dri- the kids were driving down the street and they were shooting at the, the vice principal and they, all that crazy stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's where we are. That's the lunacy of the era that we're in. And every time I talk to, to normal people who would only, in their regular life, believe in things that make sense, Right? That's what they would believe in. But yeah. but then they come to this and they believe everything. Every yeah. crazy thing. Well, anyway, uh, uh, Nikki Haley is, is absolutely saying the right thing now. And, and, and I'll tell you, it doesn't bother me. She could talk against Joe Biden. Anybody could talk against Joe Biden. I'm not sitting out here saying Joe Biden is is some kind of a, 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 a savior. Not at all. But but look. He saved NATO. That's true. I mean, you know, when people talk about NATO and say, because I brought it up the other day when I was talking to. Vic Faust and, and Lizzie Sparks in the morning on the morning show. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, apparently, you know, they're like the Republican party, not hot on NATO. And, but look, we haven't had a world war since 1945. Right. That's 79 years. I mean, in 1918, when that one ended 20 years later, look where we were. And now, here we are, 79 years later, and we haven't blown up the planet. Thank goodness. So, I mean, I would think that NATO and the United Nations have something to do with that. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to be teaching that very shortly to the kids. What do you think? Just, just like we'll be teaching about the pandemic. <laughs> So yeah. The same thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is another thing. We talked about that this week. You know that the number of, of cases of measles and polio are are exploding upward because right wing crazies don't want to take a vaccination anymore. Yeah, but I think also people look at polio as like, you know, why is an old disease like polio still showing up in twenty twenty four? That's probably what a lot of people are thinking too. Well, I mean, again, Dr. Vin Gupta, of course, he's, you know, on CNN and MSNBC, so they don't want to listen. But, you know, he's saying if you don't take the vaccinations, this is what's going to happen. That's a fact. Yeah. Okay, listen, you know, I'm sorry that James didn't make it here for us, but uh, uh, I'll definitely give him your regards when when we talk to him next week. 
I, I, you haven't met James, right? I have not met him. Yeah, but you need to. He's a great guy, a great East St. Louis resident, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll make that happen. Anyway, Walter, you have a great weekend. Are you going to the football? I'm sorry, the ba- basketball game tonight? Um, I'm not sure, but I'm definitely going to try to make it. Yeah, I'm going to try also. Okay, time to get out of here. This is Showdown. Steph will be back next Monday and all the other great people to join us. And, Walter, thanks for being one of the great ones today. Thank you. Okay. Everybody, have a great weekend. Good night.